This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. It's one step closer to home. But that wasn't a pleasant step at all. Outplayed for the first 80 minutes or so by Spain, England managed to turn it around with a little bit of can we not knock it and the ball stay ball strike of Georgia Stanway. Serena Wiegmann's side are into the semi-finals. That's the most important bit. But was this just a sign of a great side winning when not playing well or was it lucky? And should the unchanged starting eleven get changed just a little bit before the next game? We'll look ahead to the other quarterfinals. Also, Archie's here to tell us how Bayern feel about Lewandowski, other German-based things and how annoyed he is at the price of Fulham season tickets. Harry Maguire's being booed in Australia. Everton get hammered by the Minnesota Vikings. Conor Gallagher does a bad Penenka. Plus your questions. And that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Johnny Lou. Hello. Hello. Uh, are you well? Are you happy? I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I've I've, um, I've I've had about four hours sleep. I'm in Brighton from uh, so uh, still still buzzing a little bit, but also quite tired. Was there was there um, another post uh, England victory nightclub event? I remember um, who was it who was telling us on a previous pod about you being out dancing. Salon Andy Hickman was. Were you out late dancing? Or was this all work this time, Johnny? Oh, yeah. I mean, there hadn't actually been one since Manchester. Manchester was great. We um, uh, went to this, this this club night after the um, after the Austria game. Uh, I haven't been out since. Last night was, was very much a, a mixed zone and uh, corporate Heineken's in the press room uh, sort, of, sort of evening. You know, there's, big, there's a big fridge in, in, in the Euro press room of, full of Heineken and then... Uh, and the Heineken runs out, and you just have to drink Heineken zero zero, which um, I'm contractually obliged to say it's not as nice. It... I, I, I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. Only that okay. it, that, that that does not run out. <laughs> uh, Beth Fisher, a pod debut. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. No, thank you very much for having me. Very excited to be part of it. Um, uh, I, you don't have to make any comment on Heineken's. I did actually do some work for Heineken, and at that time, I really enjoyed a Heineken zero zero. And maybe I won't be employed again, but no, I can be truthful. It's liberating. Archie Rintuts, hello. Chair slapper. Good day. Hello. Yes, thanks very much for that. Um, <laughs> uh, look, you you were there, Johnny, last night. Uh, England two, Spain one. Um, how did you find it? Well, first of all, I thought it was a really incredible game of football in terms of the standard it was the sort of game that could only have taken place in in 2022 the tactical complexity the you know the, the tactical battle some of the technique on show the just the lack of of space and the lack of time in, in, in on the ball um it was it was genuinely elite i was i was really impressed by that um and and england i i, I they were schooled, really, weren't they? They were kind of, they were 
schooled for 60 or 70 minutes and and suddenly something just broke for them and, and uh, the, the crowd played a huge part. I, th- I thought Spain dropped their level a little bit, and that kind of that fairy tale finish with um, with Georgia Stanway's winning goal um, was just—I mean, the, the noise was was just off the scale. So, like a, a really, a really, like a genuinely great occasion, a really great game, and I think the sort of the sort of thing that that is properly going to ignite this tournament. I mean, there's, there's been buzz about it, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's taken off yet because it needed a moment like this. Um, and this is the part of the tournament that it's going to reach the parts to, to, to coin an advertising phrase that other other tournaments have not reached. Uh, and this, this is the game that's going to do it. Um, do, do you, did you sense that, Beth? Do you sense that that sort of that Georgia Stanway strike is, is the moment to catapult the whole tournament? Yeah, I have a really funny relationship with English football. Obviously, I'm Welsh, but I also go out with a former England footballer, Anita Asante. So in our household, it was a bit of a strange feeling. I feel like it was it's watching your best friend go out with the boy you fancy because you love them, but also there's a jealousy about it, you know? <laughs> so for last night, I was like, oh, there was part of me which was supporting Spain. But then when England was losing, I was like, oh, no, I don't actually want them to go out. You know, so when Georgia Samway scored that goal, we did kind of run around the living room. So that kind of kind of put put where I wasn't in the camp. But yeah, I mean, listen, um, you know, I think for those who've been following women's football for a while, there's been this kind of trepidation about whether it was going to light up, not just, you know, the, the game we know, but also kind of, you know, show other people what it's about. Because, you know, as, as we've all seen, you know, comments, you know, continuously about the standard of it. But I think last night was just an incredible showcase, not just for the two teams, but actually I think for where women's football has come over the last 10 years. And actually, actually, Spain were better. I mean... Um, you know, and as someone who doesn't watch buckets of women's football, I don't think I'd spent any time watching Aitana Bonmati play football. But in centre mid, she was, I thought, just a cut above everyone on that pitch. I thought she was absolutely brilliant. I was taking more interest in her fortunes after reading Sid's excellent interview with her and how she models herself on the way that Xavi played as well. Natural, given the way she plays at Barcelona as well. And yeah, she was superb. There was that one passage of build-up in the first half where Spain played their way out of England's press with such panache that you were like, I tell you what, it's going to be difficult for England to really get past them here tonight. But I think that's the thing as well. Johnny was mentioning the intensity with which uh, Spain played. And to keep up that intensity for 90 minutes, you always thought England are going to get a chance at some point and albeit on the German TV coverage that I was watching here they were convinced that Paredes was fouled by Russo in the build-up for it and continued to make that point after full time as well and I was like I mean you can keep chatting about it guys but doesn't make a difference and also it's kind of ignoring the push in the back that Russo got from that as well so yeah I Spain unfortunate to go out in terms of everything they were bringing but Oh, that winning goal, that winning goal, just because A, in terms of watching it at home, it had that quality to it, which I think a lot of great goals have where you're just behind it on the camera angle. And when she hit it, there's this part of you being like, no, she has, oh, like, and when it went in, you're just like, wow, 
like I, I had this running around the living room feeling here with my mate John, albeit I was also relieved because I'd said five seconds before uh, Esther Gonzalez scored for Spain. Tell you what, Spain are so toothless going forward. So I'm just sitting there like, I've not jinxed this. I've not jinxed this for England to go out. So yeah, I, a fantastic comeback. And, you know, you talk about mentality. Um, that was there in bucketfuls. And yeah, particularly after the way that Spain, as as Johnny put it in, in his match report uh, for, for one of their players, clung to England like a cat suit uh, in terms of the way they were marking them throughout. So... Yeah, superb for them to come through this. Oh, just just interestingly on, on Stanway's goal, we, we we spoke to her afterwards, and she she said that she had no idea why she shot there. Uh, she still didn't really know why she'd done it. Um, normally, she she would she would pass wide, you know, for the cross, and and that was clearly what she was she was looking at doing. So I mean, it just kind of shows the um, the ability to to kind of to take your chance and see the opening and, and seize that moment, which I think is. If, you, if there was a criticism of Spain, is, is what they were lacking. They, they they didn't really manage the game as well as England did. With this England, though, that kind of shows for me that they're playing with more instinct, especially when they're going forward, that they've kind of been unshackled from previous, you know, managers where they've had to play this really kind of formatted, you know, quite boring at times football. And for me, this team feels, you know, it's, it's a bit like what I remember when I was playing hockey, international hockey, the same. You know, you build up, you have a really, really kind of... Uh, safe back for technical midfield but when you get into that kind of final third of the pitch you're allowed to do what you want and go on instinct and that's for me is what's really impressed me you know you've got Beth Mead playing on instinct you know when she gets into the box and I think you know that sums up for me that George Stanway comment is that she's just going on what she feels. I like just casually dropping in representing your country at sport. It really takes away from when I just drop in Polytechnic Fours in the Southern Amateur League you know intermediate Novak Cups winner 2017. Um, uh, does anybody think Sandra Panos should have done a bit better with this? The Stanway strike was brilliant, but I, I just wonder if her footwork, she seemed to be over to one side of her goal. Does anyone think that she should have got somewhere somewhere to it? You notice that she just took one step to the left just yeah. before it and opens up the goal a bit more. And plus, you would think that given that she had not one but two players in terms of covering her view... Uh, of of where Stanway had the ball that she could stand a little more centrally. But that said, I think the power on the strike doesn't give her much time to think once it's hit. And even if she is positioned one more step to the right, it's a difficult one to save. I think, yeah, the centre-back for me um, should have, you know, that that's where the, that the error happened, you know, goalkeepers, you know, you could argue whatever, but the centre-back for me, it was strange. She just completely, you know, backed off when really there wasn't a free player. So, you know, ultimately for me, you know, she had to get closer, get Georgia uh, Samway's eyes down. And then, you know, technically that shot may never have happened. Um, Johnny, should we have the Alessia Russo or Ellen White conversation you know, Russo came on again and was great and she sort of just touched the Mick Harfords about I mean she's technically better I would say than Mick Harford but like in the air so good in the air and I thought that was a brilliant <laughs> header and I know the Spanish were furious about it and perhaps I'm biased and the German commentators thought it was a foul but but do you think there is a it's worth having that thought about the semi-final and starting Russo over White? That's the intuitive thought that that White for all she's done over the course of her career hasn't really, I know, she's not really set this tournament alight. Um, her build-up was obviously interrupted. And, and yeah, there was an energy and uh, a speed to the way that, that England pressed 
after Russo came on that wasn't quite there with White. When 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 White is, is on there, they, they do seem a little bit more. <clears throat> Certainly when she gets the ball, it tends to be coming back towards goal, coming back to receive it. And then you're you're kind of then you're banking on her being able to to, to move it first time. But but more often it ends up just going backwards again. So yeah, Russo certainly certainly offered something different, and I think I think England's energy levels definitely outstripped Spain in that last 20, 25 minutes. The the counterpoint, I suppose, is that the way that the formula works is that White kind of occupies defenders and tires them out and knocks them about for for 60, 65 minutes, and that's that's the defense, the sort of slightly tiring defense that Russo then capitalizes on. I think I think that's what you know. That's what Vigman would say that that it's actually you, you have starters and you have finishers. And if Russo were to start, it would be a slightly different dynamic. But then, as a counterpoint to that, is you know if England need a goal in the semi final with ten minutes to go, who do you want to see coming on but Ellen White? So um, I can see both sides of it. I, I don't think it's quite as clear cut as as people are making out. Uh, White definitely offers. A lot to the team, but but Russo clearly, uh, you know, had, had a fantastic tournament, and and, and it's kind of unlucky not to have started yet. Uh, what do you think, Archie? Could you try again? Oh, could you try again? That, that was Siri. That, that was Siri <laughs> trying to. Try and... Do you know the funny thing is that Siri sounds quite a lot like Johnny Lou in that moment. I just thought that was Johnny. <laughs> I thought it was Johnny as well. <laughs> Are you Johnny? Are you the voice of Siri? I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. <laughs> Um, I, I, so, I mean, Archie, you carry up. It depends on the nature of the game. And if it's a game where England would back themselves as favourites, then I would probably favour the more energetic Russo. Um, but if it is going to be a tighter encounter, like the Spain game, where you would benefit from having somebody with that vim and vigour coming off the bench, then to be honest, I'd favour going with Ellen White. So... I think it's about looking what happens in this uh, Sweden-Belgium game and then taking the decision from there. But everything else, I mean, I thought Rachel Daly uh, had uh, an unfortunate game at, at left back, it's, it's fair to say. So that's maybe one other consideration in terms of changes for that semi-final. Uh, I, I just want to highlight one moment in the game as well, Max, uh, which is that save from Mary Earps that she made from Ateneo del Castillo where when that ball's in flight, I just was having flashbacks to Ronaldinho um, against England uh, in the 2002 World Cup. It, there's something about the sight of a goalkeeper backpedaling and you're like, this is never going to end well. And I thought it's in. So the fact that Mary Earps managed to, to claw the ball out somehow, I thought was so impressive because when you're in that position as a goalkeeper, I mean, you, you see that just how difficult it is for them to get their bearings right. And I think that was that was also a key turning point in the game because after that, I can't remember too many Spain chances. Totally agreeing. And I think, you know, it's moments like that, isn't it? And, you know, the England number one has, has been a bit of a, you know, kind of a, for grabs, isn't it, over the last few years? I think, you know, so I think Mary Earps is definitely like, you know, Archie says, kind of earned that spot completely. And I think that, again, at a moment, we kind of forget about those defender goalkeepers, you know, saves, don't we, uh, when we give all the glory to the forwards. I've been critical of Millie Bright in previous tournaments and and perhaps wrongly just wasn't quite sure how good she was. But Johnny, she in this tournament has been sort of peerless at the back, hasn't she? She's had an amazing tournament. I thought she was 
potentially England's best player in the opening game against Austria, where they, you know, it seems an age ago, but they, they actually did come under quite a bit of pressure. And she, she, she looks ferocious. You know, she, she, she looks exactly like a, you feel a centre half should look. She, she looks like she would hurt you. Yeah, she, she's been, she's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, I mean, under the high ball, particularly, which has been a source of quite a bit of pain for England, particularly from set pieces in recent months. Uh, she's been absolutely peerless. She, I think she's been, she's probably been uh, one of England's best players of the tournament. We, we've talked about you know, we talk about the front three, we talk about the midfield, but but Brighton has been at the heart of so much of what, what England do well, and just the, also the, the way she she kind of unfussily distributes it as well. That 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 little outball from uh, from Earps to Brighton, and, and and then from Bright to to Bronze has been it's been the source of so many attacks that, that have got England ticking. Um, so yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually glad she she was named player of the match last night, uh, which I thought was a nice recognition for her. But like, personally, I probably would have given it to Bon Matty, even though she lost. But I think it, it, it's nice that she's, she's finally getting a little bit of recognition in this tournament because she was immense. I think for me as well, what's really interesting is don't forget, you know, in the Champions League, the English teams have been absolutely tranced by Barcelona. So, you know, for me, I was actually worried, would there be a little bit of psychological battle going on with those players who've played them, given that, you know, a lot of that Spanish team are are from that club. So I think for, for me, it'd be really interesting now going forward to see how, you know, how that affects it as well, club football as well, knowing that, you know, you know, an English team can, can beat, beat a Spanish team. Beth, I don't know. I don't know if you find constant comparisons to men's football frustrating. I can't help when I'm watching women's football doing it because my frame of reference is men's football, you know, since 1985, right? And 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 something I have noticed is it's just it sort of seems like that there is less shit housery in women's football. You know, they don't complain to the refs as much. They they don't really dive about as much. But yesterday there was a lot of shithousery. I can't remember which England player went down holding their face when they weren't touched at all. Like there were all these moments when I thought, this feels like the football that I'm used to watching. Yeah, that was Alex Greenwood and she definitely did not get hit in the face. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, I grew up watching, you know, football in the 90s and, and that's the bit which I kind of miss from modern day men's football. And I think women's football kind of, it's always been a little bit innocent, hasn't it? You know, we've got to be, you know, nice and whatever. But yeah, for me, those are the moments which I'm like, come on. And I think that's what, again, not only just did we see an incredible display of football last night, but it did have that kind of, you know, little battles going on individually. And like you said, that kind of shihazery kind of moments, which I think as football fans, we all kind of want really, don't we? Sweden or Belgium then in the final. Um, Beth, who is who would you expect to get through that, that quarterfinal? Well, Sweden have got a few issues with uh, COVID at the moment. So it'll be interesting if um, if they have a full squad to pick from. I can't see Sweden losing that. Um, I've been impressed by Belgium. I think they've had moments where they've really shown that kind of like, um, you know, that kind of Belgium like style. But I think for me, that's quite you know new again to kind of European knockout stages. And I think Sweden uh, proved why they've, you know, they've done so well in, in the last few tournaments. So, yeah, definitely Sweden for me. Archie, Archie, Germany play Austria tonight. It's a big one, isn't it? It's a very it German is. match, Germany v Austria. <laughs> that makes any sense. Uh, you're saying this because of geography, I, I take yes. it. Yes. Yeah. There is the way that you hear Germany or Germans talk about Austria. It's it's as if they're ruffling their little sister's hair a little bit. And I, I have to say, look, I've I've been 
away on holiday for most of the tournament. So I've come back into it and was expecting, given what I see back home in England in terms of the euphoria and the amount of coverage around it, I was expecting more here. And even just going out this morning outside my local news agents and looking at the front pages, if it was uh, the men's team uh, in the quarterfinal of a major tournament, there would be headlines on the front pages of the newspapers and despite the history and tradition that uh, of success albeit not in most recent years that the german that the german national team has here there is not i think anywhere near the coverage that it deserves for the game itself 13 of the austria squads play in the frauen bundesliga so it's not like they don't know each other very well. There's a good core of them who play for Eintracht Frankfurt as well. And I think in terms of the way Austria are going to play this, they have their system. It's up to Germany to find a way through them. Uh, Germany, we've seen in the tournament so far, have have rotated the way they've played. They've been flexible. So it's as much about what Martina Vosteklenburg uh, does when it when it comes to finding the right way through, I think having a a player like Alexandra Pop, who's had such problems in the past uh, with, with injury, playing in her first uh, Euros because of circumstance, even though she's one of the most experienced players in that squad, I think that that could give Germany an edge, particularly the way that she's playing right now, and she's got that bit of emotion, and also the chance for her to take up one of this these spots as the star as a star of the tournament given how many of the proposed stars of this tournament have uh, fallen out through injury so an opportunity for her but it's going to be tough against this Austria team uh, Germany hosted the World Cup in 2011 and they were hoping that it would kind of kind of elevate women's football kind of to the forefront of, of the you know the public out there you know is there a reason why do you think that the Germans aren't kind of you know picking up on the teams they have given that they've been so successful it's it, it's not given the same backing as as men's football over here. There's not the same push. Uh, I don't think uh, the German FA manage it particularly well because look the the quality is there. Look at look at the players in the, in that side. Um, so yeah, uh, I think uh, ultimately, whilst look, I I'm not going to say that. I'm watching from Bundesliga every week. Uh, there are people much more qualified to speak on that and in terms of to go into greater detail on it. But from the people that I do know within the game and who experience it, there's a bit of a shrug of the shoulders and it's, uh, well, what do you think is the answer? And it, it's kind of glaring back at you. So it's a shame, but I hope that it, it changes. I, c- I can tell you that they look, there are a lot of envious eyes towards the way that the Women's Super League has been taken up in England um, from from this side of the pond, that's for sure. Um, Beth, as a Welsh person, I know you sort of felt like you wanted England to win yesterday, but that's a big stretch from actually wanting them to win the tournament. Um, Barry <laughs> Glendening, proud Irishman, was really happy for England to do well until, until the media started getting behind England and now he absolutely desperately doesn't want them to win. If it cuts to the final, what do you think, what will you, what will your heart actually want? I don't know, because last night I was like looking at Serena when they were losing and my heart was breaking because I really, really love her. Um, but, and I'll say, and I, I know Jill Scott through um, Aston Villa and she's one of Meets' good friends. And, and, you know, this really lovely 
girls and management but there's something about me and I think Barry's right it's the media and I just can't cope with the fact that it's coming home will be ringing in my head for the next 20,000 years so yeah oh god it's a difficult one but you know <laughs> equally I think for for Wales if I'm being honest we've got loads of girls play, playing in the Super League and I think you know we are next door obviously and I think you know if England do win it um I think it's just going to be an incredible kind of moment for 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 them, obviously, but I think it will hopefully filter and inspire um, girls in Wales as well to take up the game. Uh, more in-depth Women's Euro stuff um, on the Guardian Women's Football Weekly. Uh, you can listen to them reviewing this game as well and decide who did it better. Uh, but they are on uh, more regularly than we are throughout this tournament. And uh, Susie Rack, obviously a big part of our women's football coverage, has written a book called The Women's Game, The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of Women's Soccer. Uh, so go and buy it wherever you get your books and that'll do for part one uh, part two we'll begin with what's happening in Germany finding your perfect home was hard but thanks to Burrow furnishing it has never been easier Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium durable materials including stain and scratch resistant fabrics so they're not just comfortable and stylish they're built to last Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. No live show tickets to sell. Thank goodness. Thank you to everyone that came. Uh, Gareth says, I want the entire first segment dedicated to a full recap of the dancing video. Brian in Dublin says, hello, Football Weekly. Was I the only one unaware of the inspiration for the live show video clip? Uh, Jordan Jarrett Bryan revealing on Monday that it was a homage to another viral video has shattered my illusion that it was a genuine clip of Max and Barry having the crack after a day of boozing. I love the idea that Barry, when he gets excited, would don a blonde wig and start slut-dropping around a, a grisly boozer in Brixton. My disappointment is immeasurable. Anyway, thanks to everybody uh, who enjoyed the video. You can buy merchandise, which includes a mug of me slapping a chair uh, God, this is real life. Uh, it's £15, but people are buying them. Guardianbookshop.com slash football hyphen weekly. Mont says, Max, where does it all end? A pyramid edifice on a private remote island thronging with disciples in robes, holding chairs and slapping in rhythm to Sri Sri Baba Max of the Order of Chair Slappers emerging on a vertical plinth through fire and smoke. It started with a mug, he says. Um, Archie, what's happening in Germany? What's the response been to... Robert Lewandowski going to Barcelona. I was surprised by this. I don't know why I was surprised, but I just thought he just feels like he was going to be there forever. Sorry, that was way too quick a transition from what you yeah, were talking that about. Was, yeah, that was to... the intention. That was a good yeah. gear change. What is the vibe around Lewandowski leaving? How, how are Bayern feeling about that? I think relieved now that the transfer has, has finally happened because they see it that he's been kicking up a fuss 
um, for the last few months and I think kicking his heels for a while now. But from Robert Lewandowski's point of view, it was, why didn't you ever truly love me? And I think Bayern's answer is, well, you didn't really truly love the club in the same way that uh, players like Franck Ribéry did. It's, it's difficult when you are not a German, not Bavarian in, in, in Bayern as well. If you want to get to that top level of, of club legend there, you need to be Bastian Schweinsteiger, Thomas Müller, even Gerd Müller, um, albeit he was um, a different kind of character and that's a different kind of age. But the point is, I think that the fact that Robert Lewandowski was not, he was so professional and had these um, kind of machinistic qualities to him in the way that he performed, that he, he wasn't, I'd say, uh, very extrovert in, in, his, in his love for the club. He just went and did his job, which was scored, scoring a lot of goals. The interesting thing about about Lewandowski is that there is there are so there's so much hot air and disingenuous nonsense talked by footballers, lip service almost to the idea that oh you know I'm doing it for the fans, I'm doing it for the love of the people, you know we're all in this together, you know I need you guys, this, you know the fans are the greatest thing about football. And to be fair to Lewandowski, actually the, the reason I quite I quite begrudgingly admire him is that he never really bought into any of that. For him, he never made he's never really made any secret of the fact that he sees football as a basically a transactional uh, encounter. You know, I I want I want I want a really good team so I can score lots and lots of goals. And you know, he's never made any secret about his you know individual ambitions, you know, scoring targets, things like that. And you know, perhaps that's why fans haven't quite warmed to him. He he, he stripped away the bullshit that I think. That, that, that covers a lot of, of, of how footballers talk and interact with with fans. No, no I, I just I just want to score goals, and it's nice that you're here. But um, and, and 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 now I'm off to Barcelona, and it's quite refreshing in a way. But it also explains why he's never really been truly loved at, at either of his of his clubs in Germany. Yeah, I, I was going to say with Johnny's point, it really reminds me of Gareth Bale at Real Madrid. That kind of feeling that he doesn't actually, you know, that these players just actually. Like maybe it is genuinely just a job that they're very good at, but they actually hate it. I mean, we don't know, do we? But, you know, I've interviewed Gareth Bale a lot of times and it kind of feels the same thing that, you know, especially at Real Madrid where, you know, at the end where he was getting all that shit from the fans, given all he's done for them, that actually he's getting his pay packet and he's playing his golf and and he can, you know, and that's what they do. And I think, you know, if we, if we take that to normal life, I think we've all probably done jobs or are in jobs where it pays the bills and not necessarily kind of makes us happy. But, you know, only they will know that. The funny thing is that this whole thing that we do as fans, we buy into it. You know, if a player turns to the crowd and just does, sort of puts his hands in the air going, come on. Or if they, you know, <laughs> if, they, if the player cuts his head and carries on playing, suddenly we're like, you know, you you understand the club, and it's all bullshit. But we can't, <laughs> but we can't help but buy. We just sort of buy it for some reason. You know, like a player who just you know kicks somebody and then says, "I love this team," or kisses the you know kisses the badge, or like Robbie Keane just saying, "I supported LA Galaxy as a child," or whatever. You know, these clubs that didn't even exist when he was growing up, or what, maybe I'm just. It feels like Robbie Keane said that a lot. Maybe I'm being, doing him a disservice. It just shows that we as fans are sort of idiots right i don't know johnny what you think oh yeah we're, we're, we're saps we, <clears throat> we 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 want to believe that these people could still be our mates and that they you know 
they care about us and, and are, are, are looking after us in a way that these, these are our avatars out on the pitch. And it, it's, it's not true. We will never be friends with Lewandowski. We will never be friends with, you know, Harry Kane or Jack Grealish. We, we like to, we like the delusion though. And that's the thing about Lewandowski. He strips away the delusion. Also, it's worth pointing out that um, his, his diploma, for, the, for those who don't know, um, he did a, a master's degree in business uh, called RL9 Path to Glory. It was about himself. <laughs> wow, that is sensational, isn't it? I, really, I, I hope League Two players start doing that, writing PhDs on themselves. Beth, um, when you you should um, on the subject of interviewing Gareth Bale uh, at the live show in Hackney, Ellis James told a story that he he was sent by the one show to interview Gareth Bale, and the one show forced him to wear full Wales kit <laughs> to interview Gareth Bale, and he was like, he'd never done it, so he really wanted to meet Gareth Bale, but obviously, he, but like he was like, why don't I just wear like a shirt and jeans? They were like, no, 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 no. This is really because the one show is weird right and he just said the most humiliating they want to sort of paint him as a super fan whenever whenever you've interviewed gareth bale have you been able to you've been able to wear the clothes of your choice i presume yeah absolutely but i can tell you now that gareth bale never wants to be anywhere with the media so it guess it you know i have to say you know i have i absolutely love he's a god in wales isn't he and and to be fair to him you know i think he's just and genuinely i know this sounds mad but he, with all the money he earns and what he's done, I think he's just a normal bloke who just likes being at home and playing golf. And he just hates all the crap that comes with it. He and he just have, can't... He must have loved Ellis. Oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> because full oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, he's 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 a simple guy, and I can't even imagine his face expressions because he does kind of. You can tell sometimes he's just well, especially on Zooms, he's thinking, "Who the hell is this person asking the questions?" So yeah, poor Alice. Archie Sadio Mane's come in, uh, sort of not like for like, but I guess he can he can fill that role, can't he? Yeah, it means that Bayern can fulfil the wildest. Uh, fluid tactical dreams of Julian Nagelsmann. That Lewandowski is gone. I, the fact that Lewandowski was being pulled out to, at times uh, in in the build up, playing on the left, I was always thinking, I don't think he likes this. And I think with somebody like Mane there, and you look at the the, the players that Bayern have going forward, Comor, Nabri, who's surprisingly now signed a new contract at the club. Uh, Leroy Sane, Thomas Muller, Jamal Musiala, and Admane to that. It is a frightening prospect. Plus Matthias de Licht coming in on a big money move from Juventus. And Bayern have now had a summer where a few months ago, if you told me they were going to sign these players, I, I would have laughed at you, Max, because Bayern were talking about how they needed to really save money. And now they've gone out and spent a hell of a lot. And also, the statement that it makes to buy Sadio Mane, who is a world star at the top of his game, uh, is a statement for Bayern that even after winning the Bundesliga 10 times in a row now, that they can go out and get a player of that calibre. And that's not something that they've been able to do uh, in, 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 the last, in the last few years for, for a good time now. So... Uh, important for them on on that on that front yeah and you really get the feeling that they've got a, a decent chance of winning the title 
this season coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we should uh, send our best wishes to Sebastian Haller, um, uh, the Dortmund striker who's been diagnosed with a testicular tumour. The 28-year-old complained of feeling unwell at training on Monday. It, it was found during a medical examination. Um, he's returned to Germany to undergo further tests. Uh, tumours can be benign, do not always lead to a diagnosis of cancer. Um, uh, Arch, is anything else happening in Germany that we should be keeping our eyes on? The title race with that, let's also make this abundantly clear that Sebastian Haller's health, first and foremost, comes above any of that. Dortmund, from a, from a sporting point of view, Haller would have made, uh, and I, I hope that it is found to be benign and he can come back and play. Um, Haller would have made a big difference, I think, to Dortmund this season. And the way that they'd invested money, their squad is better with Nico Schlotterbeck uh, coming in from Freiburg, one player to watch with an eye on the World Cup. Uh, and Niklas Zula arriving from Bayern. Dortmund have made a couple of statement signings there. But this Haller news, I think, takes the wind out of their sails completely. Musa Diaby staying at Leverkusen is is big. Christopher Nkunku staying at RB Leipzig is also significant. The thing is, if there is to be a title race in, in the Bundesliga, those six games that Bayern had against Leverkusen, Dortmund and Leipzig, I think one point was garnered uh, from it. And that was by Leverkusen away at the Allianz Arena. So if something's to happen, then it needs to happen on that front. But Bayern looks stronger and I'm doubtful. Oh, and Mario Goetz has gone to Frankfurt. Which is which is really interesting, particularly how Frankfurt will get on. Before we end part two, Johnny, you're also a German resident, so you're also a German football expert in what is now becoming the Guardian Football German Weekly. Um, you wanted to talk about Schalke, Johnny. Yes, I mean, I, I, I did want to talk about Schalke um, and, and specifically uh, their internet beef with, with Tony Kroos, which I don't know if you saw no. earlier this week. Uh, like Kroos did a, a podcast where he mentioned the fact that um, Schalke, at, like at, at the Veltins Arena, have been have been hosting concerts and recently hosted an Ed Sheeran concert. And Kroos quipped on it on his podcast that it was the first time uh, fans had left the Veltins Arena happy, um, which which was quite a quite a good line for him. And yeah. uh, and Schalke then Schalke then responded online by I think making some some reference to his slightly pissy post match interview after the the Champions League final. Uh, and uh, the internet won. That's lovely to hear. Thank you, Johnny, for that update from Schalke. Keep us posted through the season. That'll do for part two. Uh, part three. Uh, we'll begin with Nottingham Forest. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Beth, you wanted to talk about Nottingham Forest, or did you specifically want to talk about the Welsh players at Nottingham Forest? How specific oh, do yeah. you want to be? <laughs> Listen, I want to talk about Steve Cooper first, because okay. um, he, he we started our jobs at the same time. So he got his first managerial job with Swansea City, and I started at ITV 
um, the same time. So we were kind of new to the job and we started off on quite bad terms. I think I wanted to interview him after a game. I can't remember. They'd lost like quite heavily and he was really pissy with me. Um, but he did apologise. And ever since then, we've had a really good relationship. And um, yeah, I just find it a fascinating kind of kind of couple of years for him, really. Um, he didn't win over the Swansea fans for some reason, um, even though Swansea got into the playoffs twice with him, I think. But what he's done at Nottingham Forest for me has just been incredible. And I think the signings that he's made as well kind of show that intent. And I think having spoken to him and known him over the last kind of couple of years, like it's not like we go for coffee every, every day, by the way, you know, it's a text here and there, but um, I just remember one, one kind of moment talking to him about transfers, which was really interesting to me. And I said about, you know, the players that he brings in and is it all about what they do on the pitch? And he said for him, it's actually the type of character they are off the pitch is more important to him than on the pitch. And I don't know whether he was playing with me a little bit, but it really kind of struck me as, okay, this is the guy that wants to build a really good culture. And I think that's why he is attracting those type of players um, to Nottingham Forest. What do you think of Lingard to Forest, Johnny? I think, I think he's still got a lot to offer as a player. Um, certainly, you know, his energy and his craft in midfield is, is the sort of assets that, um, you know, that can really, really help a promoted team uh, in, in tight games against a good opposition. I, I think Forrest's approach, whole approach this summer has been really, really fascinating. Um, and, I, you know, we'll probably come to Fulham later, but, you know, Fulham and Bournemouth have been a little bit more circumspect, I think. In the, in the transfer market. I mean, I guess the, the model is, is Brentford last season, who I, who I think made one signing and, and kept faith with the, you know, the squad that, that got them up, basically. And that's one approach. And Forrest, I don't think anyone uh, would deny that, you know, they did need some reinforcements. But I think that's, I think it's 10 signings they brought in, you know, Awonyi, uh, Neko Williams. They just brought in um, O'Brien and Harry Tofolo, Omar Richards, um, Dean Henderson. I mean, it's, it's basically a whole new team they bought. And I think if you're a Forest fan, you're you know you're legitimately going to get very excited about that. But I think it's also it's also worth getting you know a, being a little bit concerned as well that whatever whatever alchemy and whatever uh, kind of spirit they had in that squad that, that got them up is is going to be slightly dissolved or diluted by all these new signings coming in. And but that team basically needs to hit the ground running and it needs to gel really quickly uh because if you know if they've got three points after eight games things could go south very 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 quickly uh archie come on then fulham um you're not happy with uh well i mean let's start with ticket prices that's more important than who's on the pitch um you i've seen you complaining quite vociferously on, on social media as have other fulham fans about the ticket pricing yeah um i mean look i think football clubs when you're a fan they are an extension of ourselves and and that works for the good things however it works in the in the other direction max and i think shahid khan as daniel harris put it in the guardians fiver the other day has talked about it's important what you stand for and when the club for the liverpool game are charging as its cheapest ticket for a match day ticket 65 pounds and up to a hundred pounds in our brand new stand which is uh yeah meant to be you would think for Fulham fans but when you're pricing it like that is it for Fulham fans there are so many problems I have with this Max and particularly having dealt with the club before and the supporters trust I know how stubborn and belligerent that they are and I can't the the, the biggest thing I can't get my head around is we all know how much you get in TV money 
in the Premier League. Norwich got 98 million for finishing bottom last season. And you're telling me that for what, when you work it out, an extra million or two, you, you're going to sacrifice having fans in the stadium who are more likely to support you. It angers me so much. This, this sends out all the wrong kind of messages and the mind boggles, the mind boggles. Yeah, I think just, you know, Fulham aren't the only ones, you know, with these ticket prices. We look at, you know, ticket prices, football shirts, and it is kind of going to price out the working class people that, you know, football attracted all those years ago. And for me, you know, we talk about culture in the stands and we want to kind of, you know, change kind of maybe the atmosphere in the men's game, you know, but you can only do that if you, you know, if you infiltrate it with different types of people and ages. Like, you know, funny enough, a tweet just come up on, on my on my timeline. You know, Wales women are selling tickets for their last World Cup qualifying game against Slovenia for £8 adults, £4 junior. For me, women's football is basically going to attract that those type of crowds that we want in our football games. And actually, when you speak to people, whether it's journalists, fans, they always say, nine times out of ten they have a better time at women's games because it is it has different types of people in it absolutely what Archie's saying about ticket prices but ultimately it has a bigger impact I think about the culture around football and in in, and fan culture in the stands I'm I'm wondering if Norwich should give a bit of that 98 million back they weren't that entertaining it's a lot of money for what they served up last season I'm only kidding Norwich fans. Um, uh, on some less important things, Andy says, does anyone, everyone find it odd that Harry Maguire was getting booed in Australia? What's the furthest point away from home that you've ever been booed? Yeah, his his name was great. Resounding boos from, you know, apparently Man United fans and a few Palace fans they faced each other in Melbourne on Tuesday. Uh, it continued any time he got the ball. Uh, Man United beat Palace 3-1. Um, I mean, that's, it's faintly ridiculous. I mean, it's quite funny, but it must be a bit annoying for him, Johnny. The, the the thing is, Maguire being booed. It's not, um, you know, this is the same with with United as it is as it is with England. It's not the hardcore, hard bitten kind of every everyday fans who are doing this. It's this sort of kind of this prankster fringe element that is doing it for the banter. And it's it is clear that booing Harry Maguire has become a kind of global sport. Um, it's become a bit of a pantomime thing. And I, I, I do, I do feel for the guy because you know he really is trying his hardest, um, despite all appearances. I think he is. Um, I hope he, I hope he lifts the World Cup and has and doesn't concede a goal for the rest of his career and has a wonderful time until people stop booing him. Would be um, great. That's a win-win. It's a win-win for yeah, me. It is. Um, uh, it's in other sort of meaningless or perhaps meaningful friendlies. I don't know. Everton lost 4-0 to Minnesota United, which, you know, forgive my MLS knowledge and, and you know, we obviously have our anti-American agenda and lots of listeners over in the States. I don't know if Minnesota United are particularly good, but that doesn't sound like a great result for Frank Lampard's men, does it? Ch- Charlotte FC beat Chelsea in a penalty shootout, including a brilliant um, failed Penenka from Conor Gallagher who failed to get the ball off the ground and the keeper just stood still and actually the the I think there's some 
the, the Spanish commentary or the, the Portuguese commentary, I'm not sure which language it is, then when they just start laughing at Conor Gallagher, it is quite funny. Uh, John Muller in The Athletic writing that Phil Neville called a friendly between Inter-Miami and Barcelona the biggest game in Inter-Miami's history and then brought on his own son and David Beckham's son who have zero MLS minutes between them to play in it, uh, which is tremendous. Johnny, you wanted to tell us what's happening in the darts. You know, we don't have time for this nonsense. Johnny, you're enjoying the darts though, aren't you? Yeah, and I mean, um, it, it's it's one of the it's one of the great events, the world match play at Blackpool. And the reason I, I like it so much is that it's a it's more of a, a traditional darts crowd. You know, there's there's obviously you know a, a bit of a, a last night out element as there is at all the darts, but this is a crowd that predates the kind of the whole da, 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 da era. Right, and they're the purists. They're, 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 they're purists. They're connoisseurs. They go to, you know, in Blackpool, they go to watch the darts. Do they talk about, Johnny, do they talk about like the flights, the different flights that the, the players are using, the arc of the of the throw? Do they talk about that kind of thing? I don't know. I've never been. I would love to go. I mean, I've, I've been to, you know, I've been to Olympic Games and World Cups, but but Winter Gardens Blackpool is is one of the, the bucket list items that, that still um, that still eludes me. Um, and Roby John Rodriguez is going to um, be a world championship finalist one day. That you, you heard that here first. He's uh, he's an incredible talent. Um, before we go, should thank Jordan Jarrett Bryan for hosting and actually doing a slightly worryingly too good a job on Monday. So I'm not going to read out any of the compliments that he got. Um, get back in your box, please, Jordan. But thank you, uh, Archie. And I wanted to finish with you. I just want to ask how you're getting on. Um, I haven't sprung this on you. We talked about it yesterday. Um, you've been on the pod talking about your mental health before. We're going to revisit it, you know, and give it the time that it deserves. But you wrote a really fascinating thread a month or so ago. You talked about the Football Weekly listeners, and I just wanted to check in whether I should do this in a public forum like this or not. It's, it's up to you. You can tell me to bugger off if you want. No, it's, it's all right, mate. Um, yeah, like, I, I, for people who haven't read that thread, which I'd imagine is, is probably a lot, um, it was to say that I have been doing better it has been probably a rockier journey than from when I first uh, told you about it here on the pod as well and there's a lot yeah there's a lot to learn about how to deal with it particularly just being patient with yourself um, and trying to trust uh, or learning to trust again the voice inside your head that is telling you good things and to be patient with yourself and um boah yeah um <laughs> sorry it's a change of gear for me no that's okay. um uh yeah like but when you mentioned the football weekly listeners um i look i think sometimes just kindness from strangers can give you a, a nice boost to your day and i there have been certain times when i i mean look i've had someone get in touch and be like as as you are part of the Football Weekly panel, I want to help you with your quest to get Monster Munch. And I was like, well, this is a perk I wasn't expecting. <laughs> um, but but like, I, I'll, I've got a message here, for example, that I got shortly after the first thread, which is, I think, symbolic of uh, some of the things that uh, people say. Uh, I'll keep it anonymous, um, which is, uh, evening buddy. You mentioned on the podcast you hoped uh, it would help at least one person. I just wanted to let you know that after listening to it last night and talking to my wife this morning, 
I'm going to be booking an appointment at my GP first thing Monday morning. I've been trying to convince myself for too long that nothing is wrong, but everything you described pretty much summed up exactly how I feel most days. So for that, thank you. I hope you're feeling better about things. And I hope on time uh, I can too and come to terms with some of the issues I've been trying to mask over for too long. Yeah. Um, it's nice when you can make that small improvement to, to somebody. And, and look, that's why I post about it, why I continue to post about it, because if it can make a difference uh, to to somebody out there, um, if just one person, like, you know, I see it, uh, I, I see these things as trying to just improve my small corner of the world. Uh, it's why I talk about Fulham ticket prices um, because that comes into my area, but also mental health does. And I still see it as kind of swept under the carpet, even in big moments um, in terms of the sporting calendar or whatever. So I think, yeah, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to witter about it a little bit here max but uh yeah um i hope that i'm I'm not saying to anybody that they should go and get therapy they should go and do this the biggest thing i've learned is you have to find what works for you and different things work for different people and my experience whilst there will be similarities with what other people have experienced it's every situation is unique and you as the person opposite that person for example, Max, you need to treat that as unique and not as if you've heard it before and just be as understanding and give that person as the space that they require. And also accept that you will make mistakes. There is nothing wrong with that. But just be aware that you may say something that triggers someone and you don't know that it was going to trigger them. But just trying to be as sensitive as you can to that situation. That's all you can do. Um. Good man, Archie. Thanks so much. And look, the 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 last the reaction we got to the last pod was, you know, quite incredible, really. And that message is, you know, um, to that listener who um, uh, may well be listening to this. We hope you're doing better as well, and hope that you know, going on that journey to seek help has helped you. Um, and look, thanks, Archie. And I know it's an emotional thing to talk about, but listen, Jonathan Wilson burst into tears talking about scoring a hundred last week. So you know. <laughs> 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 um, everyone is allowed uh, to cry on this podcast i've done it a number of times but look thank you mate um and and like you know obviously we'll put in the in the on the page you know if, if you are having problems we'll put numbers and helplines and all that like we did on the last part and we will revisit that properly archie at some point um if that's cool with you but for the time being um thank you so much archie thanks for coming on mate thanks mate thank you beth excellent debut i hope you'll come back Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, Johnny Lou, cheers, mate. Enjoy your, well, hopefully someone can make your dreams come true and buy you a ticket to Blackpool after listening <laughs> today. <laughs> cheers. And thanks everyone for listening. Um, <laughs> Football Weekly was produced by Silas Gray. Our executive producer is Max Sons. This is The Guardian.